0: Think about your investment objectives and diversify. If you execute in that regard, I think you really have a great shot of being very successful in real estate
1: investing. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure. Free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go, it's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely wound up being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that, adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. We've spoken to. Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a whole bunch of others. With us today, Amy Kirsch. How are you doing, Amy? I'm doing well. well. Nice to have you on the show and looking forward to getting to know you a little bit. Amy is the director of investor relations at Realty Shares. She has over ten years of financial services experience. She worked in wealth management for Merrill Lynch, Dearborn Partners, and JP Morgan's Private Bank, based in San Fran. With that being said, Amy, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on?
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me today. It's great to be here with you. I had been working, as you mentioned, about a decade in wealth management. And I learned a bit more about real estate crowdfunding, was very excited about the opportunity, got to know Realty shares a bit more, and just was very excited about all they were offering to investors, the opportunity to invest in
1: a whole new way. And that's what brought me over here. Cool. All right. So what do you do? What's investor relations mean? I work
0: with investors. Pretty much all day long answering their questions, helping them to understand real estate better, helping them through both the sales and the relationship process as they go through and any investments that they have with us on the platform.
1: Can you get a little bit more in detail as far as maybe what are your specific responsibilities? What are some challenges that you've had to come across? Things like that?
0: We have a team of seven as we've grown. We have our investor base has become several thousand. So as you can imagine, so we have all realms of the spectrum of investor. And so we're guiding them through oftentimes just introducing them to real estate investing and helping them to understand what it might look like if they did purchase a piece of an investment, what the returns will look like, what the risks are inherent in this sort of investing. So that would be introductory sort of what we're doing with investors and then over the life of the investment, keeping them updated, helping them to understand what if things are going well, if they're not going well, there are payoffs, and keeping them informed over the life of it. So it's really a combination of both a sales and relationship management role for me and my team. And we have probably a thousand inbound questions a week from various investors that we're responding to, which really. Completely range from about the company to about a specific investment. Anything you can imagine,
1: we're answering it pretty much a every day. Thousand inbound questions a week. Oh yes, easily. Seven people. Seven people, thousand questions. Seven pe- <laughs> sounds like a blog post title, right? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Seven people, a thousand questions a week. Everything from guiding them as far as the pros and cons of real estate, and then also working with them and communicating with them throughout the investment. This is interesting stuff because you basically do what I do, and I'd love to learn more because you're doing it on a much higher volume than I'm doing. Let's talk about who you're speaking to. Are they all accredited investors?
0: They are. Everyone that's on the Realty Shares platform right now is an accredited investor. We have non-accredited investors asking us questions. And we're hoping that we'll be able to show them REITs offering and e-REIT offering sometime in the near future. But for now, we're only working with accredited investors.
1: Okay. So they're all accredited investors and sounds like you're at the front end of the deal before they sign up to fund a portion of the project where you guide them in real estate investing. So are you giving them input on the actual investment itself or the pros and cons of investing in real estate?
0: A bit of both. We really, as I mentioned, we have people who have never invested in real estate before on the platform. So they often have more rudimentary questions talking about they, no one, they haven't seen a waterfall before. What will that mean for them? What does a preferred return look like? those kinds of questions, trying to understand the sponsor a bit more in the ABCs of real estate. So we're talking about the platform at large and then also specific investments, helping them to understand, honestly, we can get it as into what is the difference between debt and equity? We answer that question all the time.
1: Mm. So your role is both the particular investment as well as just education in general on real estate.
0: Absolutely. It's absolutely a combination of both. And we really take a lot of stock in making sure our investors are educated. We want them to really understand what they're investing in prior to getting into an offering.
1: You said one of the common questions that's asked is what is the difference between debt and equity? What's your response to that?
0: Oh, (laughs) getting me on my toes here. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I akin debt to a mortgage like you'd see at a bank where you're receiving, you're acting like the bank. You can expect an interest rate payment monthly. It looks like a balloon mortgage where you can expect the principal after the life of the loan. So that's how I explain debt. On the equity side, you look more like a business owner. You're participating in the upside or downside participation of the property. And should things perform well, you'll have unlimited upside. Should things go poorly, you will partake in that as well. So with that comes a lot more risk, but a lot more reward. Whereas on the debt side, you know exactly what the outcome is likely to be because there's a stated interest rate. You're not going to earn any more than that.
1: Are they secured the same way with debt and equity? That's a great question. The
0: debt is secured by a first lien loan where should something go wrong, we're able to foreclose on the property. And if our assumptions are in line, then we should be able to fully recoup all investor money. On the equity side, there is no lien on the property. Our measures are a bit different in what we could do should something go wrong. We would may be able to kick out the partnership. We may be able to take over the property. It truly depends on the underlying property is.
1: Yep. Okay. Makes sense. After I did my first deal, I was talking to some people and they're like, did you raise debt or equity? I was like, "Uh, I just raised money. I have no idea. (laughs) I was so stupid at the time. I had already done one deal. It shows how green I was at the time. And people like you have educated me along the way, thankfully.
0: Yeah, I think it's important. Like I said, it's important for investors to understand the worst case scenarios just as it is the best case scenario
1: when people are first participating
0: in real estate and we encounter a lot of people like you.
1: What are the most common risks? I mean, sure, there's about 20 pages in a PPM that outline some obscure risks, but what's the most practical couple risks that could come up in a real estate investment?
0: I think the risks are a bit different for the different types of products, like I mentioned before, for debt. And truly, our our debt holders are often a little bit less experienced than our commercial, which can be great and, and bad because we have that foreclosure opportunity should something go wrong. But what would happen there is that the sponsor isn't, or the borrower in this case, is not able to execute. And what happens then? They're not able to sell it for the price that we thought, so they can't pay off the loan in full. That would be the risk there. Oftentimes, I think almost all of the time, we have personal guarantees on our debt. So if they do not return money in full, then we can pursue them personally. So I think that's a risk. The sponsor is not able to execute. A more likely risk is that the market turns around. Mm -hmm. So the market isn't able to deliver what we had expected.
1: Let's talk about equity. Going into an equity example, and really I think this applies to both debt or equity. It doesn't really matter how it's structured. Let's just say the borrower isn't able to execute and perform on their business plan. And let's just say, because I know you do different asset classes, let's just say it's a single family house. What is a common reason, based on your experience, that they're not able to execute the business plan? What do they overlook or not account for most of the time?
0: I want to start by saying that we've done, I believe the number now is 550 deals. And in that time, we've had under 10 where we've had significant issues with borrowers or sponsors on any side of the fence, debt or equity. So what we're talking about now is very rare. But to your point, the reason I think sponsors most often don't execute is simply from inexperience. So they thought costs would be X and they ended up being Y and they were significantly more. I'd say that that's what most often accounts for not being able to execute. And the way that we try to avoid those sorts of situations is by our due diligence process upfront, where we account for track records and look for the kind of experience that they have in the past, both with either their current company or in the past, as well as getting to understand what their business plan is.
1: And yeah, thanks for putting it in perspective. I was curious about why it wasn't working, but thanks for giving some context as far as, hey, this, doesn't, this isn't happening very often. But as I know you know, that's just a question that comes up for all of my deals. Hey, what are the risks here? So just curious how you discuss those. Now, on a different path, what's the most common reason why an investor doesn't decide to invest with you all?
0: You know, I hadn't thought about that too much. I'd say the most common reason is because the parameters of the offerings that we have in the marketplace at that time don't meet their investment objectives. That's most often what the hurdles we often find up front that we're often able to overcome are the inexperience of the investor. So getting them to understand, as we talked about earlier, educating them properly. But I'd say that's most common is that They're looking for a 12-month offering. We're We're showing something that's eight years. They're only looking for debt. We have equity. And mostly what we find is people take a month or two to review the platform if they don't have any real estate experience, and then they invest after 30 to 48 days.
1: One thing I've found with investors who don't invest is they want to be active and not passive. They want control. They want to have their hands in it. They want to be more involved, and I'm just not set up that way. They are passive too when they invest in your stuff, right?
0: Yeah. We have heard that from investors before. I hadn't really thought about that as a common objective. But what we find more often is that people are tired of being actively involved in the investment process. They don't want to manage the property. They don't want to do. So that's why they're coming to us. But I could see it on both sides that if they do want to have a heavier hand in the process, that we don't offer that as well. Mm -hmm. For pretty much everything else, if you are looking for passive investment, you can come to us and get whatever kind of offering you're looking for.
1: You've just hired employee number eight on your team. Congratulations. What do you want to make sure that they know? What's
0: very important to us is that you run through a broker-dealer and compliance is extremely important to us. Making sure an investment is suitable for an investor is from day one what we're talking about. And the second thing is getting some of the members of my team have real estate knowledge, some don't. So getting them up to speed on what kinds of deals we're offering. We work very closely with the investments team. So working together with them to get a really good understanding of what we're offering to investors, those are both imperative to being successful on the team. And of course, being able to be patient with getting the same question over and over again. So that takes a lot of, (laughs) you have to be steadfast for that.
1: Yes, especially if you got a thousand coming in a week. As far as the compliance goes, maybe I'm not thinking of it properly, but isn't that already set up through your software? So if they come to you and your team, then they've already been qualified through the software?
0: To a certain extent, they are qualified up front. A part of it is qualification, but the other part is suitability. So making sure they're an accredited investor is just 50% of the equation. We have investors that make very substantial investments with us, half a million, a million dollars concentrated in a deal. With that comes a lot of risk simply because of concentration risk. So if they're making a million dollar investment, but they have $50 million, we're less concerned about that than if they are making a million-dollar investment in single investment and they have $2 million. So really just trying to understand, again, the objectives of the investor and that they're properly suited for that particular offering. So that's what is really what we're focused on when we're reviewing deals, reviewing investors. It's very important.
1: What would be the pros and cons when comparing investing in a crowdfunding platform like your company versus a syndicator who's has his own company like mine. So if an investor were to come to you and be like, ah, you know what, Amy, I got a hundred K and I want to invest in one thing, I'm trying to decide between the deal that Joe's got where I know I can go directly to him and he's one company thing versus a crowdfunding platform like yours. What are you saying that would be a pro over what I'm offering?
0: The largest pro is that we're going to have a more diverse set of offerings because we're dealing with sponsors all over the country in diverse product sets. So while a syndicator may specialize in a particular asset class or a particular geography, we're going to see that same thing repeated over our offering 20-some-odd million dollars worth of opportunities over the course of a month with a very diverse background of sponsors, geographies, asset classes, product classes. So I think that's a major differentiation you'll see, and with being a low-fee provider. So with some of that relationship where you know this indicator probably a little bit better off, maybe you're willing to pay a bit of a premium for that, we offer uh, pretty low fees to our investors across other crowdfunding platforms. We're one of the
1: lowest. And what are your fees?
0: we charge 1% asset management fee across the board and that goes to investors on the sponsor side we charge an origination fee that's between 3 and 4 on equity and 2 to 3% for debt
1: and you don't take any cut of the deal
0: we don't take any cut of the deal we take no participation fees
1: so 1% asset management fee and 3 to 4% on debt that's paid by the sponsor right And did you say something else? Was there another fee or is that it? Just a
0: 1% asset management fee that's charged to investors annually as we provide the services, updating you, K-1s, managing the property after the fact, after you've invested.
1: Those are very good fees. Yes. What's the plan for your company from this point forward?
0: The plan is to expand what we're currently doing. We have a lot of opportunities to grow in the various marketplaces that we're in. I think that's very important to us. The other thing that we're really focused on is automation and tech. So we're a financial technology company. A lot of what we bring to the table is breaking down a business that's pretty archaic and bringing it to the future. So I think both of those things are what we're really focused on. And we're really excited about some of the new expertise that we're bringing into the marketplace in 2017. So those are our two major focuses.
1: What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I would say, let me think about this for a second. My best investing real estate advice ever is to think about your investment objectives and diversify. If you execute in that regard, I think you really have a great shot of being very successful in real estate investing.
1: you ready for the best ever lightning round? Oh, sure. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're doing it either way. So (laughs) I'm glad that you guys. So first though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to grow and protect your wealth in any market? Join Cashflow Tactics to learn the exact strategies real estate investors can use to maximize returns using whole life insurance as a new banking resource. Visit CashflowTactics.com. That's C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W-T-A-C-T-I-S.com. Best ever book you've read.
0: Shantaram. What's that about? It's about a criminal who is – kind of gets lost in India, and I was just there, and it was so incredible to see what he had just kind of hiding throughout the streets of Mumbai. It's the coolest book ever, and it's based on a true story.
1: S-H-A-N-T-A-R-A-M. Okay, cool best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it?
0: That would be moving from traditional wealth management into the fintech space. It is kind of exciting to go from the most archaic business of all time into breakthrough measures of doing everything. And I've learned so much in the last two years, more than I had in the previous 10 in the
1: same-ish industry. What's one specific thing you've taken away from it?
0: that you don't have to think small. There doesn't need to be so many levels of red tape. If you're working with the right people, you can get a lot accomplished in a short period of time. You don't have to do things the way they always have been done just because that's what people say needs to happen.
1: Are you an investor? Do you invest in real estate too?
0: I do. I own property, but I, we're limited from doing it on the Realty Shares platform.
1: Ah, of course. I yeah. know. Uh, cool conflict. Well, best ever deal you've done personally on a real estate front?
0: I have flipped out of apartments in Chicago, and I think that's because that's where I lived and I've been successful in that regard.
1: Best ever way you like to give back?
0: Part of the reason that I was in India was that I'm involved with a national philanthropic organization that gives money all over the world to help people recognize that they can be successful. So this particular group gave money to women in India to help them be independent And so that their kids could go to school. So it's called the Gabriel Project. I'm really happy to be associated with it. And it's just doing wonderful things for empowering women in a very impoverished area.
1: Thinking about some of the deals that you've personally done, what's been a mistake you've made on a particular deal?
0: I think one of the things I've learned is to not be too emotional. This goes to investing, I think, in general, but very particularly with real estate. You can get too involved, hold on too long. It's something I've learned over time is to try to be less emotional when it comes to any kind of investing. I was investing in the markets in 2008, not in real estate, and found that some of my clients as well were making decisions because they couldn't see through the trees. So I think that's good overall investment advice.
1: Where can the best ever listeners learn more and get in touch with you?
0: They can come to RealtyShares.com or email us at invest at RealtyShares and we answer a thousand questions a week. So we'd be happy to (laughs) answer a couple hundred more.
1: (laughs) Pile them on, baby. Well, Amy, thanks for spending some time with us talking about your role and the challenges you come across as well as your responsibilities from you and your team. Yeah, we're going to say.
0: I just want to say thank you so much. It's so exciting to talk to others in the similar space, and it's just great to be here.
1: Yeah, especially with your particular role, it fascinates me because I'm doing similar things to what you're doing, but not on your volume. By no means am I doing the volume of a thousand inbound questions a week. That's insanity. But because you're doing the volume, it's interesting to hear the varying degrees of questions from what is a waterfall and preferred return to the difference between debt and equity all the way to the risk associated to it and maybe more sophisticated things like how is my money secured if this scenario does happen and you talk through all of that as well as your focus on compliance when you hire a new team member and just getting them up to speed on the business model and the different opportunities. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Jeff. Are you ready to grow and protect your wealth in any market? Join Cashflow Tactics to learn the exact strategies real estate investors can use to maximize returns using whole life insurance as a new banking resource. Visit CashflowTactics.com. That's C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W-T-A-C-T-I-S.com.